from Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. So the other passage uh, that Neil will be looking at is in Ezekiel chapter 47. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me round the outside to the other gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Ongedi to Onanglaim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Good evening. Really good to see you. Great to be back. Thank you so much for your kind invitation for Anne and myself to come and spend some time with you again today. It's been a real joy. Um, as Deb said, uh, my name is Neil Letissier. There may be folk here who don't know me. And uh, I am now working and serving as a regional minister for the Heart of England Baptist Association. So the Baptist Union of Great Britain 
serves and supports and resources its local churches, like yourselves, through 13 regional associations. And our regional association is the heart of England Baptist Association, covering the West Midlands plus a bit. And uh, so my role really is to be available, to be a support, to be an encouragement, to walk with and work with local ministers, local churches, to bring encouragement. So I kind of pastor the pastors. I also help the churches who don't have ministers to find pastors. And those that can't afford ministers, I try and help them to develop their leadership structures in such a way that they can still grow and continue to reach out and fulfill their calling to build the kingdom in their little area. It's a real joy to travel around. There's about 160-something churches across the West Midlands, Baptist churches, just Baptist churches. And uh, as I've been traveling around, uh, every Sunday I'm in a different church, and uh, one of the things that I'm particularly picking up is that God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. Uh, And so it's that that's been on my heart and kind of was something I really sensed that he wanted me to to, uh, unpack with you today. It's been a while since I've been here. As Deb said, uh, uh, so 14 years ago, I came to be pastoral team leader here. Uh, And I had the great joy of uh, working on staff team, being part of this wonderful church congregation for seven years. So you have a very special place in my heart, and it's really good to be back. But seven years we've been away, a lot's happened in that time, hasn't it? We've been through a COVID pandemic. We, We learned firsthand what it feels like, the unimaginable that church will be closed down. Now, I don't mean church, the people. That can never be closed down. But our buildings, we could not get together. And we discovered, actually, how important being together is. And when we're not able to gather together, actually, how devastating isolation and loneliness can be. And that was a difficult time. Since then, we, with the war in Ukraine as it rages on, we've, uh, it, we've experienced an energy crisis. We've experienced food shortages. We've experienced a rising cost of living. Our base lending rate has gone from a quarter of a percent to five and a quarter percent. It's unprecedented in these days, isn't it? Although when you're as old as me, I do remember... Mortgage rates at 15%. Yeah, there's a few nods. Yeah, a few hands going up. Praise God, we're not there yet. Rents going up. Even as churches, churches are struggling, aren't they, to be able to afford because everyone's giving is tightened up. You know, we're all struggling to pay, and with the winter coming up, to pay our winter fuel bills, to buy the food that's gone up so much from the supermarket. We're having to make some difficult choices. It's been a tough old time. We've been through something of a storm. I uh, walk and talk with Donald on a regular basis. Every couple of months we get together. It's part, of my, uh, it's part of my way of just supporting him, pastoring him, but also it's just two mates going out and walking his dog. But he tells me how much demand has gone up for your food bank. 
and the ways in which you're reaching out wonderfully to bring the love of Christ in very practical expressions to this community. And boy, don't they need it. And the demand has gone way through the roof. I understand that. Such that actually the cost of simply keeping that support going is tremendous. These events have hit us like a series of tidal waves that have changed our social landscape significantly. I don't know if you've come across this picture. This is the picture I came across a little while ago. It's the Choloteca Bridge. And the Choloteca Bridge, forgive my pronunciation if that's a complete mishmash of what it should say, is in Honduras. So any Hondurans here will tell me afterwards how it should be pronounced. But back in 1998, Hurricane Mitch, which was a Category 5 storm, went through Central America, decimating the country of Honduras. Thank you, Joel. Where's Joel? Thank you for leading us in prayers for those folk right now who have experienced and are struggling because of the devastating effects of flooding and of earthquakes, and they're on our hearts and in our prayers. This happened there. All the bridges were destroyed in the country, except this one. This one had been built by architects through a different type of design and technology that it would withstand hurricanes. Trouble is, there was so much flood water that the river Choluteca, over which the bridge spanned, found itself carving a new direction. So as this photo graphically tells us, the bridge is no longer spanning the river. And this picture captivates me for two reasons. Firstly, it captivates me as an encouragement that we're still here. We have faced incredible stormy times over recent years, but we're still here. We're still standing because we're standing not on the shifting sands, but we're standing on the rock, which is Christ Jesus, his promises, his faithfulness, his grace, his mercy, and his strength. So I'm encouraged. Over the whole of this time, only one of my churches has had to close down. Praise God, he's kept us going, and we're still standing like that bridge. But it also challenges me. And I wonder, have we twigged that if that bridge is us, you know, where we were, what we were doing, have we twigged that since the storms have hit us, the river which throughout Scripture symbolizes the powerful presence of God at work in his world, and we'll come back to that in a minute, but that the river has actually changed direction, that God is doing a new thing. I find that challenging personally. It's the same river, it's the same water, it's the same source, but it's flowing in a new direction. 
in our times. God at work doing new things. And do you know the real challenge to me is, uh, am I still over here, the bridge, doing what I've always done, just getting on with life, getting on with serving God, doing and repeating and feeling secure in the safety of what's familiar, doing what I've always done. You'll recall that Henry Ford once wrote, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. But God, his message is the same, but God is working in new ways. And I'm picking this up. I'm hearing stories of how churches are perceiving the new thing that God is doing and moving themselves from what they were comfortable and secure in to get involved with the new thing that God is doing. So there's some exciting stories. I'm sure you have some exciting stories. But the challenge is, are we still over here rather than here in the river? In our passages today, we, have, we see God teaching his people Israel how to respond and grow through their changing and challenging circumstances. We had two passages from two of the Old Testament prophets. We'll get another one in a minute as well. But these prophets were speaking God's word of hope to the people of Israel at a time when they had experienced significant storms and changes in their lifestyle and their circumstances. So the context of the initial hearers of the words of the passages that have been read, the Israelites are now living in exile. And they are many, many miles from home. They've been conquered by the Babylonian army. Their temple has been destroyed. This temple, remember, was so significant to them and their worship and their understanding of the presence and power of God, which they believed was kind of centered and focused on that very special holy of holies in the temple. And now that lies in ruins and many miles away. They've been taken off into exile. They're living in a desert, in a wasteland, and God feels very far from them, we read. They're taken captive in a foreign land. They're having to get used to unfamiliar place, learn a new language, new customs, and an unfamiliar culture. For them, it was an experience that was summed up by the prophet Jeremiah around 2,600 years ago, and then by Boney M in 1978, with these words, by the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captives asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? 
This is a painting by Anthony Van Dyke, Copley Fielding. It's entitled By the Rivers of Babylon. Many commentators have likened our recent experiences of COVID and, and isolation and lockdown and everything that's followed since, the loss of loved ones, the loss of health, all of these things. Many commentators have described that experience as being like being in exile, very unfamiliar territory. We're having to learn to live a new way. And I know we quickly feel as if, oh, COVID, that was then. You know, but actually, it's still around, isn't it? New variant. And I'm not saying this to worry us. I'm just saying we're still living in strange times in unfamiliar landscape. I wonder how you have coped through this time. How does this make you feel? Does it feel like you've been through a storm? Does it feel like you're still living to a certain extent in a desert place? Well, God responds to his people in their time of need, feeling far from God. And he offers them hopeful words through three of his prophets. Firstly, through Isaiah. Thank you, Deb, for reading that. Where God said these words to the people who were struggling, people in the desert place. He said, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now don't get me wrong. When he says forget the former things, that doesn't mean the former things were necessarily bad. Far from it. Indeed, the few verses before those verses, Isaiah was laying out God's credentials when he said, God who brings this word of hope to you, of a new beginning, a new thing that he's doing, this is the God, he says, verse 16, who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. What are those words reminding you of? What episode in the history of the people of Israel was Isaac, uh, Isaac was Isaiah reminding them of? What's that? Anyone? The Exodus. The Exodus, probably the single most, single greatest. Um, example of God's salvation in their history. They used to, in fact, they were instructed to keep telling the stories of the Exodus to their children and their grandchildren to keep alive their hope that when they are in the darkest place, God comes to rescue. In fact, when God was calling Moses back in those Exodus times to be the one to lead the people out, God said to Moses, these were his words, remember through the burning bush? He said, I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying. I am concerned about their suffering and have come down to rescue them. 
You see, we worship a God who sees. This is not a God who is far away. This is not a God who's sitting on a golden throne in his ivory temples at a distance. This is a God who sees the misery of his people back then and now. So he's a God who sees. He's a God who hears our cries when we're struggling, when we're crying out to him because we haven't got the words to pray. We're just going, God, when, where am I going to get the next, pay the next payment, or whatever it is? He hears our cries. He is a God who is concerned about our suffering, and he's a God who came down to rescue. Of course, we know, and we'll, a little while later, we will be sharing communion together, which is our recalling and our teaching our children and our grandchildren that he is a God who came down to save through Jesus, who shed his blood on the cross, who conquered sin and death and rose again to give us the victory over these things that we suffer with. So the ultimate hope is in him. But God's word to the people in the Exodus times then was of hope. Those were the former things. Amazing. And if those were amazing, then what God is about to do now for the people in exile in the wilderness is even more amazing. It is a new thing that will surpass the former things. Previously, he made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters. But now God is saying to them, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. What a wonderful word of fresh hope to those exiles. And what a wonderful word of fresh hope to us. Do you need to hear that tonight? You know, if you're struggling in this dry and parched landscape that might be your life at the moment, so different to where we were a few years ago, then this is a word of hope. I'm making a way, God says, in your wilderness. And streams will burst forth in the desert place. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. But he says, do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. And I just want to pause for a minute and ask that question. You, the folk of Sutton Coldfield Baptist Church, what are you perceiving that God is doing at the moment in these difficult days? As you look out, and I've always loved this particular vista. That's a good word, isn't it? Being here, worshipping, praising God, and looking out through those wonderful glass windows there on our community. What are you perceiving that, that God is doing? Are we hearing their cries? Are we seeing their misery? Are we concerned for their suffering? Because God is. But what are we perceiving as the new thing that God is calling us to do? To be his presence, his powerful, refreshing, life-changing presence for people in need. Are we seeking with all our hearts? Or maybe, this is challenging. You're going to have to forgive me for this question. Or maybe... We're just longing to get back to the former things. 
and we're singing songs of lament. It ain't what it used to be. Harking back. No, God is wanting to open our eyes to new and fresh opportunities. Hence these words later on through his prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah brought these words from God. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, because that was the length of their exile, so he's saying, when your exile is over, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. That's the promised land. For I know the plans, you'll recognize these words, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. See, the God who hears. But when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So what are we perceiving? Are we really seeking to know the plans and purposes of God in these days? That's a question, but it is also our hope. And then God also spoke words of hope through the prophet Ezekiel. Thank you for reading that second passage. This time it's a vision that God gave to Ezekiel. And he makes clear through Ezekiel that when he rescues his people and brings them home to the promised land, that doesn't mean he's taking them back to former things. Rather, he's taking them to something new. You see, the vision that he gave Ezekiel is not of the former temple, that lies in ruins, but of a new temple and of a renewed land. And again, we read of a river. You see, in all of these words of hope, there's a river, there's streams bubbling up, there's, it's springing up. Do you get the theme? God is at work. Right through Scripture, as I said earlier, the river, whether that be streams, springs, rivers, waterfalls, flowing water is symbolic of God's powerful refreshing, renewing, life-giving presence at work in his world. And there's a river, and it's flowing from this new temple. And God takes Ezekiel to show him it. And then he takes him into the river. And God says, come on, come with me. Come in to the river. Come and immerse yourself in what I am doing. And he kind of ventures in, initially ankle-deep, Come on, come on, come on in further. There's more. Who was it used to say that? Come on, there's more. <laughs> yeah. And then Ezekiel follows him and he goes in knee deep. Now, come on, come on, come in more. So he goes in further and he goes in waist high. It's what we people in Guernsey call the ozone. Let me explain that. <laughs> they didn't get it this morning either. The, the water, the sea around Guernsey is really cold. As soon as you get up about the waist, you're going, whoa! It's always known as the ozone. You haven't swum unless you've been beyond the ozone. He goes into the waist, but Ezekiel, God wants him to go in further until he's out of his depth in the refreshing, life-changing, powerful work of God. What a wonderful picture. And then... Ezekiel is taken to see where the river finally flows. So it comes from the new temple. So God isn't just trapped in his temple. God is at work. He's flowing out of that place. 
And this river, it says, goes eastward into the Arabah. So that's the Jordan Valley. And it empties or flows into the Dead Sea. Anyone been to the Dead Sea? I've had the pleasure and privilege of going. A few hands. Yeah. I've swum. Well, actually, you can't swim in the Dead Sea, can you? Uh, the best you can do is float. It is so dead. It is so saturated in salt and minerals that you cannot even submerse yourself. But it says that when the river of God flows into the Dead Sea, verse 8, it makes it fresh so that it is teeming with large numbers of fish, verse 9. And it says it brings life to that which was formerly dead. And then it goes on. Ezekiel is shown that along the banks of the Dead Sea, fishermen will stand and spread their nets. I think we've got a picture of fishermen spreading their nets. Just There we go. But you see... I mean, they're only ankle deep. But actually, the further in you go to the river to fish, the greater the catch. It's always been the way, hasn't it? I'm a fisherman. I've got chest waders. I'll go in as deep as I can to get out amongst the fish. Now, I don't use nets. Maybe I should. Maybe that's the secret. Maybe that's the reason I'm not catching so many fish. That's why they call it fishing, not catching. <laughs> But the further in you go, the better the catch of fish. And isn't that what we're called to be? Fishermen? Fisherwomen? Isn't that what Jesus called his disciples to do? To leave their nets behind, follow him, and they would be fishers of souls. Yeah. So this is what God is saying, words of hope to his people in their desert place, in their unfamiliar landscape where they really don't know where they are or what they're doing. And he brings hope and he brings direction. Okay, let me wrap this up. So what are these passages having to say to us today? What's our takeaway? Well, I I think that there are four things I'd like to think that we can take away. Not that you have to take away all four, but maybe one of these things is just right for you. Firstly, maybe it's just a word of comfort. Maybe you're feeling far from God. Maybe you're feeling in something of a wilderness and desert and parched place in your life. You once knew that vital experience of the love of Christ and you were really on fire, but something's waned, something's drifted, and now it just feels hard work and dry. Maybe you feel... You're in a place that's just bewildering, a strange place to be. Then hear these words again. I've seen the misery of my people, God says. I've seen your misery. I've heard your crying. I am concerned about your suffering. And I have come down to rescue you. Wow. That's a promise for you, if you need to hear that today. Receive the comfort that's offered. Maybe, secondly, you actually just need encouragement to keep seeking God for the new thing. To to look around, to have your spiritual eyes opened to see the new thing that God is doing in these days. 
Because I believe he is. And then when we perceive that new thing, not just to stay with the old, but to move, to get ourselves aligned with God's purposes. See, God's at work here. I need to be getting there into the river. Be encouraged. Maybe it's that actually you need a bit of a challenge. Maybe you need a bit of a kick up the backside. Can I say that? Well, I have. Maybe we find ourselves, let's be honest, sometimes, and I, I, this is true of me sometimes, do we find ourselves content with the status quo, harking back to the former things, preferring the security of that which is familiar rather than stepping out of the boat? Maybe we're just in a bit of a rut. Maybe we're on the bridge when we want, should be in the water, in the river. And we feel we've been left behind, left to one side. Let me just remind you what God said to Ezekiel, that the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. You see, he will bring life where there is death, but only where his water is flowing. We need to perceive where he is at work and so that we don't become stale and stagnant, we need to be getting into that source of his powerful presence. Uh, fourthly, maybe you just need the inspiration that having perceived the new thing and wanted to align yourself to it, you just know you need to get deeper into the river. Maybe you're ankle deep. Maybe you're paddling. Maybe you've been paddling for a while. That feels quite nice, but oh, I don't know, am I ready to go knee-deep? Seek God to take your hand and lead you in like God did with Ezekiel. If you're knee-deep, maybe you need to go in waist-deep. If you're waist-deep, maybe you just need to be out of your depth in God's submerged in his plans and purposes so that actually when you're out of your depth, you have no longer the control. You're no longer standing on your own two feet, but you are reliant upon going where the river takes you. That's where I want to be, and that's a journey, but that's where I want to head to be part of what he is doing to bring new life. So let us wade in, up to our ankles, knees, waist, ideally out of our depth, and then, then, let's get the nets ready, because there's fishing to be done. You see, I, I'm sensing in these times, people are asking big questions. They're looking for people of hope. They're looking for people for whom there is purpose. It could never be a, a better time to be fishermen and fisherwomen for the kingdom, I believe. Amen. Not in our own strength, but in the power and purposes of God. Let's get our nets out. More nets. Let's work together like that crowd there. And let's go fishing. Let me pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you that you do not abandon us to our circumstances, but you're a God who hears, who sees, who is concerned, and who comes to rescue. You came and you sent your 
Son Jesus to be our hope, our salvation. Our hope ultimately is in you. Thank you for that. And as we share communion together, would you remind us of your love for each and every one of us that is greater and will help us to overcome whatever our circumstances as we look to you. Lord, wherever we are in our walk with you, in our relationship, maybe we feel at a distance, would you draw us closer? Maybe we feel we're ankle deep, would you take us deeper? Whatever is our need and our desire, Lord, would you respond? Help us to play our part, to see the new thing that you're doing, and then to get into that with all we have and all we are, to be a part of your kingdom work. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.